All right, Exodus chapter 35, we'll be doing the whole chapter tonight. <clears throat> and the topic for our chapter is offerings to God. You know, in Exodus chapter 35, we start the very last part of the book of Exodus, and this goes all the way from 35 to chapter 40. And if you remember in terms of where Israel is at at this point, just a couple chapters before, Israel was guilty of the uh, sin with the golden calf. And then Moses came down, and the tablets were broken, the people were judged. And then chapter 34, God renews his covenant with the people. And as we get into chapter 35, the Lord is still moving to redirect Israel. And here, he's redirecting Israel toward obedience after this transgression, so that they would be able to focus on service to him, really, instead of their sin. That they'd be able to serve him by yielding their possessions, by yielding things they value, and by yielding their hearts ultimately to him, which is always um, how the Lord directs us in our lives. He doesn't want things from us, but he wants our hearts, and everything else follows as a result of that. Let's go ahead and read chapter 35, verse 1. It says, Then Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together, and he said to them, These are the words which the Lord has commanded you to do. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh day shall be a holy day for you, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire throughout your dwellings on the Sabbath day. And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, this is the thing which the Lord command, commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering for, to the Lord. Gold, silver, and bronze. Blue, purple, and scarlet thread. Fine linen and goat's hair. Ram skins dyed red. Badger skins and acacia wood. Oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. Onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. All who are gifted artisans among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tent, its coverings, its clasps, its boards, its bars, its pillars, and its sockets. The ark and its poles, with the mercy seat and the veil of covering. The table and its poles, all its utensils, and the showbread. Also the lampstand for the light, its utensils, its lampstand, and the oil for the light. The incense altar, its poles the anointing oil, the sweet incense, and the screen for the door at the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its bronze grating, its poles, all its utensils, and the laver and its base, the hangings of the court, its pillars, their sockets, and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle, the pegs of the court, and their cords, the garments of ministry for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his son to minister as priest. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all its service, and for the holy garments. They came, both men and women, as many as had a willing heart, and brought earrings and nose rings, rings and necklaces, all jewelry of gold, that is, every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. And every man with whom was found blue, purple, and scarlet thread and linen and goat's hair, red skins of rams and uh, badger skins brought them. 
Everyone who offered an offering of silver or bronze brought the Lord's offering, and everyone with whom was found acacia wood for the work of the service brought it. All the women who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun of blue, purple, and scarlet and fine linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred with wisdom spun yarn of goat's hair. The rulers brought onyx stones and the stones to be set in the ephod and the breastplate and spices and oil for the light, for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. The children of Israel brought a freewill offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work which the Lord, by the hand of Moses, had commanded to be done. And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord is called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he was filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of artistic workmanship. And he's put in his heart the ability to teach in him and Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. He's filled them with skill to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker, in blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine linen, and of the weaver, those who do every work and those who design artistic works. And so we're going to break this up into its components here. Firstly, in verses 1 through 3, we're going to look at the Lord's directions for the Sabbath day, and with the idea being that the Lord is emphasizing uh, time that's carved out for the Lord. Secondly, in verses 4 through 9, we'll be looking at the offerings for the implements of worship, and really as the people um, offer up their possessions for God. In verses 10 to 19, we'll be looking at the people offering their skills, and the idea that God asks you to offer up your talent to the Lord. In verses 20 to 29, that they were offering it all of free will, and it's the idea that the Lord is asking for your heart. And lastly, in verses 30 through 35, that God's calling was on specific people, in the artisans, for instance, and that we should be using our gifts for God. So first, in verses 1 through 3, the Sabbath day, time for God. Notice at the beginning that all of this happens because God is using Moses to speak to his people. Okay. And this is key when we put it into context that they had messed up and fouled up and were judging that the Lord wasn't done with them. The Lord continued to speak to his people and his desire truly is to speak to his people, to have a relationship with them, and to dwell with them. And in our case, to dwell in us. And that's the way the Lord con- constantly works in our lives. So when we find ourselves in places like the people of Israel, where we fouled up, where we've done what we know we shouldn't have done, that the Lord is gracious in that he continues to speak. And the Lord redirects him here and says, okay, now <clears throat> you've done what you shouldn't be doing. Now let's go back to the way we should be worshiping, the way you should be pursuing me. And so Moses speaks to them in verse 1. He says, hey, I'm only speaking to you what the Lord says here. And this is what he says. He says that you shall work six days and on the seventh day shall be a holy day for you, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. So that Israel would dedicate one entire day uh, each week to the Lord. And so that this day, like it says there, as it's saying that it's holy, that it's sacred. It's a day that's set apart. It's set apart from all other days. It's unique. You know, it was necessary that they would work or else they wouldn't eat, um, you know, like most of us, really. 
And so this isn't, of course, the first time they've heard this. They've heard this elsewhere. We see Moses first telling them this in Exodus chapter 20. And then, of course, he goes into great detail in Exodus chapter 31 when he talks about all the rules surrounding this, this day of rest for God. He says, so then, this day of rest was important. That's why he says anyone who does work is going to be put to death. He says, this is, there isn't, this is no joking matter. Okay, this is no joking matter. It was important enough that people would die if they violated it. And God says, the time that you have with me is the most important time that you have. And it's so instructive to us as believers when we think about that idea. That the Lord values the time that he spends with us. So that when we spend time as individuals with him, that we understand that that's time that's precious to him. In the same way that when we're approaching it properly, that it's time that's precious to us as we seek him, as we're you know, lifting things and people up to him, as we're hoping to hear from him again. He tells them, as for example, he says, this, this time is so sacred, you don't even start the fires in your homes on the Sabbath, which seems like a little thing, you know. Don't do that. He says, you, you just you eat the food that you had left over from the day before, you make sure the fire doesn't, doesn't go out, and you'll be good. And it talks about this in Exodus 16, early when he's telling them not to cook, don't do any work at all. So as the people would live, and they would do this every single week, they would keep this Sabbath, they'd carve out this time apart from any typical business day. They wouldn't worry about the cares of that day, but they'd be able to key in on the Lord, that they'd be able to seek the things of Him, that they wouldn't get caught up in, in the ritual of it, you know, which unfortunately is what the Pharisees and so many of the religious people did in Jesus' day when they went and they had their Sabbath rules and they said, you could do this, but you couldn't do that. And Jesus was like, look, it's not, the Sabbath is for, is for the man, not the other way around. You know, we, we live and, and we use this in order to, to redirect ourselves. And so it, we have to ask ourselves then, as believers, what kind of time are we carving out for the Lord uh, on a daily basis, even on a weekly basis? And how committed are we to sticking to that time? Because, I think sometimes we get into a place where that time is easily pushed aside, where it's like, well, you know, I, I got enough fuel in the tank to keep going. Even though the needle's on empty, you're like, I got another 30 miles. I'm good. You know, I know the reserve is there. And we treat, we treat our walk with God the same way, unfortunately. And we have to realize that, that we have to hold that in all sincerity, in, in, in all desire to be seeking Him. And it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to be still for a little bit, to be quiet. You know, for some of us more than others. But do we seek that quiet to seek Him? Hmm. You know, it, it's it's a cool thing when you have that that rare. If you're anything like me, that rare morning where you don't have any place to run off to, where you don't have to cart anybody somewhere, you don't have to pick something up to do this thing that's got to get done this day because the only time that you're going to have. But when you have the occasion to really spend that quiet time with the Lord, and it's rewarding, even if it's just that time spent in a chapter, even if it's just that time spent in 20 minutes of prayer, then you go to and the Lord just talks. You're like, whoa, okay, Lord. This is so important for me to continue to do this. In Psalm 46, the psalmist writes that we need to be still. It says, and know that I am God, the Lord says. That I will be exalted among the heathen, I will be exalted in the earth. And the context, of course, is talking about, you know, that you would calm yourself. But the idea really is the same. 
that we have this this stillness as we're waiting for him. And we like to think that you know, this idea of being still is hard for us now. But the reality is that that's a problem that's always existed. It's not anything new. It's not anything new. You know, a lot of us have jobs where, you know, you're working five days a week. You know, some of you guys are lucky enough to only work four days a week, you know, or, or set your own hours. And we have all of these reasons why it shouldn't be so hectic. And we have to order things in that way. We have to understand that the Lord has to be that priority for us because he's reaching out to speak. Notice here in verses 4 through 9 that their offering for worship to the Lord was in their giving of possessions. It says here in verse 4 that when Moses speaks to them, he speaks to them again and he says, this is the thing which the Lord commands you. And this he wants you to be able to do these things. And again, Moses is faithfully executing his job as being the mouthpiece of the Lord. That the Lord wanted Israel, like he says here, to be able to offer things to him. That they would give of what they've had to the Lord, since the reality is that he was the one who gave it to them. They didn't make all that stuff. The stuff, you know, wasn't of their own doing. That even as they left Egypt, all of their treasure was gotten from the Egyptians because they said, we have had, we've had enough of you. Here, you take and take and get out of here. I don't want to see it anymore. You know, and the Lord invites us into obedience in much the same way, where He saved us, He's filled us with His Spirit and equipped us to be able to walk with Him, that He's blessed our lives, some of us in material ways and some in other ways, and the Lord asks you to be able to serve Him with what you have. The Lord asks you to be faithful to Him with whatever it is. And see, we've got to be able to use what we've been given for Him. Whatever it is that you have in abundance, the Lord says, hey, use that to bless others. Not because you just want to be a good guy, okay? but because you understand that by doing this for others, you are serving me in the same way that Jesus talked about that in Matthew 25 when he was talking about what it means to serve and when people know whether or not, hey, when did I serve you, God? When did I do this for you? And he explains this when he did this at least of mine. Bless you. He tells them specifically here in verse 5, he says, You need to take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering. He says, gold, silver, and precious gold. It starts going on talking about some of the precious metals that they would give. So he says, the people's offering here was first and foremost to the Lord. So it's not, you're not giving it to Moses. You're not giving it to the priest. You're giving it to the Lord, which is the attitude whenever we give anything to God. That we do this knowing for whom it is for. Whether you're serving in a ministry here at church or you're serving somewhere else or even when you're doing your job, do you understand that everything is directed towards him? The offering, notice, was something that was given willingly, he says there. right? Whoever is of a willing heart. It isn't by compulsion. Which is interesting because God commanded them. He says, you need to offer. He says, but you do so willingly. You know, God, God tells us it's good to give and you need to give. But if you don't want to give, he says, don't give. It's kind of wild to think about that, you know. It's almost like when some of us are confused with things our wives say, like, wait a second, you said this, but you don't. And, you know, we get nervous about what we need to do. God's not playing games here. He really does want people to be able to choose to give. 
He doesn't want to force him. And this is much the same way that the Lord um, loves us, where he offers his love for us and says, you know, I want to be in this loving relationship with you, but he's not ever going to force us to be in that loving relationship with us. He's going to honor our desire and our will. But he knows what's best, right? And he's clear with what the consequences are for either choice. And the Lord tells them here through Moses, he says, I want you guys to give, and you guys give with a willing heart. You bring an offering, bring these precious things to the Lord. They're not valueless. You know? He says, bring those metals if you have them. He says, bring the different textiles, the blue and the purple and the scarlet thread, which we know is all going to be used for the different veils and the coverings for things. He says, bring the natural materials, he says here in verse 7, ram skins, you know, that were dyed red and badger skins. And remember the badger skins, it's like, we think it's a porpoise or something like that, some kind of marine mammal. Um, Acacia wood and all that. He says, bring things for the oil to do things like, like the lamps, to anoint people and things, you know. Items for the offerings. He says, bring the stones for the ephod as they come into God's presence. To serve him. So that all of the things that people are offering for service are for exactly for that. He says, Lord, I'm being obedient to you. I'm going to offer this. And I understand that all of this is going to be used as we come to you to worship you continually. Which is the way the Lord would have it be in our own lives. That as we offer ourselves to him, that it moves us to worship him and moves others to worship him as well. And the Lord says that you offer of what you have. You can't give what you don't have. Lord's not going to say, hey, I need money. You're like, I ain't got no money. Lord says, give me your money. <laughs> it's not like that. you know. Not like that at all. We can offer him. You got money? Offer. You got time? Offer. You got skill? Offer. And all you got is a willing heart? Offer that. Because God can use it no matter what. And God's willing to make of it whatever it is that you have to give. But the issue is, are we actively looking for ways to be able to serve him? Are we trying to, you know, really get into the game or are we just sitting on the sidelines there watching things happen? Because God wants you to be able to serve him in an active manner in the body and outside the body in this world around us. And so are you looking for that? You know, sometimes all it takes is just a step of, of you know, trust and saying, all right, well, Lord, I don't really know how I'm supposed to serve, but I'm just, I'm going to get moving because it's a lot easier to to direct a moving car. So I'm going I'm to get busy and we're going to see what you do. And the Lord will be faithful. The Lord will move you in the places that he wants you to go. He'll say, all right, I can use that because that's the openness that I'm looking for. In verses 10 to 19 here, we see that the people are called to offer of the skills that they have. It starts talking here in verse 10 about the artisans. It says, and the artisans that are gifted among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. So that you people that can are going to use your skills as an offering to God. Things you already know how to do. Well, God will use people according to what you're able to do. You know, it's pretty hard to say, I'm going to go be involved in worship and you don't know how to play a guitar or a bass or sing or drum. You know, that's, you know, we'll, we'll see what's happening. You know, we might have some percussion. You can bang around back there, but it might not work. We serve God with what we can do. You know, if all you have is availability, Lord says, you know, we, we can use that, you know, just being available. And so he has these artisans here. He says, you guys are going to be able to, to make things. He says, you guys are going to craft things like the tabernacle, he says in verse 11. So you're going to make the actual tent and all of its structure, if you remember. And he gives detailed directions earlier in the book of Exodus. 
and tells them exactly how they're going to construct it. He says, you guys are going to get the privilege in verse 12 of building the ark, the poles to carry it, the mercy seat, which would be above the ark, the veil of the covering so that when they would move it, people wouldn't look on it and, you know, become crispy critters. The Ten Commandments would be there. It would be the place where the Lord would be able to meet his high priest and his people, realize his presence would fill the tabernacle. In verse 13, it says, you're gonna, there would make the craft for the table of offerings, okay? that they would have these implements of worship that they'd make. They'd even make the lampstands and all the items that are associated with that there, you know, to, or to light the sanctuary. We know that all of these things are all items that are in the throne room of God. You know, we'll see what they look like for real when we're there. It's going to be pretty cool stuff. It says they'd even craft the incense altar, the door and the, the screen of separation between the holy place and the most holy place. You know, these people get to make and see the inner workings of things. That they would make even the altar of burnt offering where people would go and they'd kill the animal and burn it up. That they would craft all the items of the cord, all the labors and all these Different things, even down to the pegs, he says, that you're going to use to be able to hold things in places. You get to do everything. Maybe that's all you can do. You're like, hey, I'm just a peg maker. That's all right. That's okay. Lord will use that. I honestly think it's the humblest things that the Lord takes the greatest joy in. Because I'm telling you, very few people are doing that thing in order to be seen, in order to be noticed. And that's neat. Because that's service. Because it's easy to do something when you're going to get some kind of feedback from a person. yeah. When someone's going to be able to tell you, hey, good job there, buddy. Yeah, pat on the back. But who cares about that stuff? Because ultimately we're doing it for the Lord. So that they would even craft the garments of the priests here. They'd make the clothes that they'd be able to serve and wear. You know, holy things that they'd, that they'd wear. And they'd use these people to... They, that, that God would use these people to serve Him by making everything within the elements of worship. You know, how can God use you to fashion His temple? How can God use you to build Himself, His church, like it talks about in the book of Ephesians? Because the reality is that we're worshiping God in our service and that we are being fashioned into something that's acceptable for Him so that the Spirit of God dwells in us individually and as a body of believers together. And so in what manner are we living, understanding the holy God that we serve, understanding how he would have us to serve and draw people near to him? If we think about it too much, it becomes a burden, and it gets a little scary. But if we all we know is that we have to make the pegs, we can handle that. We can totally do that, because the Lord will equip you to be able to do that. And you're like, all right, Lord, I, I can do this. And then later on, then when we get to see him, he shows us the way the Lord used all that stuff. It's going to blow our minds. We're like, man, that's really cool. That's totally awesome. You know, it might be the Billy Graham that's up there on the pulpit, but let me tell you, it's all those other people that put up the tents and set up the stage, you know, that made sure the sound was there. All the people that did the behind-the-scenes stuff that were also being used of the Lord. And we have a responsibility as believers. We have a responsibility to make sure that whatever things we are good at, whatever things that we know that we can contribute, that we're using those for God. I think back to, you know, we had mentioned Matthew 25 earlier, but earlier in that chapter, Jesus talks about the parable of the talents, you remember. It talks about how the, his servants were given 
five and ten and two talents and he left them there and came back and the one did well and the other one did well and the other one said, I was scared, I buried it all. He says, what's wrong with you? You know that you should have used it. You should have at least put it in the bank and got some interest and he casts him out where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. The same principle applies to us as believers. The principle that the Lord wants us to be able to use the things that we do have with us, that we would glorify Him with it. Now, as great or as small as it is, it doesn't matter. And I often wonder, you know, how many of us will God find giving ourselves as offerings the way that He would have us give ourselves as offerings? I think about Paul when he's talking in Philippians chapter 2 and 2 Timothy chapter 4 about how he understood that his life was being poured out as a drink offering. He uses the image a couple different times there. And he understood, I'm being used up, and I'm being used up for your benefit. But I understand that while it's for your benefit, that it's all to the glory of God. And he had things in the proper context. And so that we would have that kind of a perspective on our own lives, understanding that as we go about our business, that it's, it's that vertical relationship that we have with him. And as we're doing so, it's, it's a blessing to those all around us, whether they want to admit it or not, but it is. And the Lord is using it in their lives. And so these artisans, they, they were called here in verses 10 to 19. But notice in verses 20 through 29 that Israel was called as a whole to give a free will offering. It, it says that Moses had given these directions, and his directions end there in verse 19. Then verse 20, it says that all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, so that they all, they all went back. It's not like Moses told them the Lord from the Lord, you have to do this, and then waited for them to do it. Okay, It's not like passing the hat at a tent service, and they said, oh, we need some more, close the doors, and they pass it around one more time. It wasn't like that at all. Sent them all home. In the same way as when you come to church, and you sit in the study, and the Lord speaks to you, Xavier doesn't sit and wait for you to do it. Okay, Tony's not checking out, no, what the Lord tell you, all right, let's see you do it right now. No, it's not like that. But we go home, and the Lord begins to minister to us. And so it says that as they went back in verse 21, that everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all its service and for the holy garments that the Lord administered to the people. And he got them to give it of themselves. He didn't coerce them, but they went and they thought about it and the Lord spoke. And then they gave like the key, like it says, they gave it willingly. Okay. Because it was their rightful service to the God who had saved them, quite literally. The God who had taken them out of Egypt, the God that had taken them through a sea, the God who guided them by a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud every single day. All of these things going on in their lives. And God said, now you go home and think. And then they did. You know, giving is not a natural thing. Not for most of us. You know, I think when people are giving of the things that matter to them, that, that, that's something that the Lord is putting in people. Uh, that, that's, that's supernatural. Now, some people are just really nice people. Most of us aren't like that. Okay? It isn't necessarily in our natures to give the things that we really, really like. It's like, hey, I can give you the extra money that I have, but to give you the part that I kind of I want, you know, I can give you the extra clothes, but the ones I just bought, you know, it's a totally different thing. But we do do those things for him, don't we? Okay. And it's because God is changing us from the inside out. God has flipped the way that we're seeing things and the way that we see ourselves. 
And you see, we need to seek opportunity to allow the Lord to use us in this manner. And not just in giving stuff, but in giving of us. Are we praying for opportunities to be able to serve? Are we praying to have hearts to be able to do this? Because for some of us, it's difficult. You're like, I don't want to. I don't want to. And the Lord says, you got to. And we, we, we fight it every step of the way. For some of you guys, the Lord's saying, hey, you got to serve. And you're like, ah, no, you know, I'm busy. You know, I got this. Or no, that's scary. Or they're going to look at me. Or whatever it is. Or they have to wear a stupid shirt. Whatever it is, it's holding you back. You know, Lord says, that stuff doesn't matter. Those are all excuses. You need to be active. You need to be serving. It says that all kinds of people came to serve him. Verse 22, it says, The men and the women came, as many as had a willing heart, and they brought all kinds of things. It didn't matter. See, the service was marked by the willingness and an understanding that this service was something that was being rendered to God. As it says there at the end of verse 22, as an offering made uh, of gold, he says, to the Lord. You know, that it wasn't grudging. You know, the willing heart is blessed before the Lord, yeah? In the same way as when you come and listen, you notice when you're, when you pray and you allow the Lord to just take whatever it was that was bugging or the concerns, and then you let the Lord talk and you actually hear. It's so much different than when you're like, you're kicking and screaming and you walk in and the Lord talks to you and you hear the one thing. Lord wants you to hear that, but what more could you have gotten out of it, huh? If you would have set things right the way you should. You know, God doesn't delight in the fact that we just give stuff. And He wants us to be our cheerful givers, no doubt. But He wants our hearts to be given to Him. You know that even in, as you scratch out a check or spend your time serving in an event or, you know, or studying or getting ready for worship or whatever it is, that you're doing it because you're yielded to Him. Because you're given over. Because you have to do it. There's, you know, no other way to live but to do that, you know. This, this only happened to the people because even after they messed up, God spoke to them and they listened to what God said. You see, and I think just hearing what God wanted for them from the mouth of Moses just started changing things for them. In the same way as that when we are spending that time in the Word of God, that it's just turning on all kinds of lights, you know, as he's opening up the closets and cleaning things out, and we're like, all right, I know the way it happened. Because God changes our hearts when we're spending that time in the Word. And it's not just the time that you spend on a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Sunday, but it's that time that you spend on your own in the Word, reading and studying and searching it out, you know, for yourself. So that your ability to offer to Him, I think, is directly proportional to the time that you spend with Him. I really do believe that. As people give, it's because they've, they've spent that time with him. In the same way as when the apostles running around the book of Acts, and they know they say, hey, that guy was with Jesus. Look at the way he's acting. You know, that's, not, that's, not, that's not normal. You know? He changes our natures in every single way that we can imagine, if we let him. So where are you at with your heart being yielded to him today? Is it given over? There are parts that you're holding back. You know? Like, nah, that, that's, that's a little too much. That's too churchy. But I, I can do a couple times a week, right? I can read the Bible in the morning. I can, I, can, I can even pray for my meals, you know. Even at work, I'll even bow my head, you know. But that, that, that's too much. And it's different for all of us. We understand this, okay? Because we're all in different spots. 
and we all value different things. You know, it makes me think about like the rich young ruler, yeah? When he was asked to give the thing that mattered the most, he's like, ah, you know. He didn't even answer. He just left. Just walked away. You know, he knew I did. that's too much. You know. It said that the people gave and they gave, you know, here in verse 22, the things that were precious. By the way, all of these things, these rings and necklaces and the jewelry, it's all part of the stuff that they got from Egypt. It says in verse 23 that... They were obedient, like it said earlier, to bring all these different textiles that they would use. The precious metals in verse 24, you know, the bronze and the gold, the wood that was of acacia. That even the women were moved by God, okay, who were gifted to be able to go. And they, they start sewing things for use in the tabernacle. They, it says that they even spun goat's hair yarn. You know, even the rulers, brought jewels for the ephod. They brought material for the light stand, the lamp stands, and the oil, and the incense here. So you get this cross-section of all of these different people serving God in all of these different ways. Men, women, rich, poor, didn't matter. They were all, you know, the people all went home, and the Lord ministered to them, and they looked around, they said, what can I offer? And they said, okay, I, I got this, you know, and I can go give that. They brought what they had. And God didn't ask for anything more than that. You know. See, what are we offering to the Lord? Only what we have. Only what we have. It says that the children of Israel, that all of them who gave, did so as a free will offering in verse 29. It says the children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work which the Lord, by the hand of Moses, had commanded to be done. The emphasis here is that this offering was not forced. Okay. And even the word offering kind of suggests that, but you know, doubly so when they talk about it being a free will offering, you know. They weren't doing it to get something back necessarily. That the people were obedient to this desire to offer things to the Lord because sometimes the Lord speaks to us and we know what we should do and we want to do the thing that we should do and then we don't do the thing that we should do. And we're like, oh, I want to. Like, oh, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> and then later on, we're like, oh, Lord, I knew I was supposed to do that. You know, that was, I was a knucklehead. I should have known better. But they were obedient to it. And the Lord would call us to that kind of obedience. You know, later on in, in the Old Testament, when uh, David had the opportunity to prepare for the temple, in First Chronicles 29, David is talking about this. And he says this in First Chronicles 29.2. He says, Now, for the house of my God, he says, I have prepared with all my might, he says, gold for things to be made of gold, silver for things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. He says, Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. And notice the degree to which David was sold out, that he was convinced that this mattered. You know, He says, I, I got behind it all the way. He says, with all my might. And he lists the things not to show that he was so awesome, but that he pursued it that much. That it was a privilege for him. Remember, David wanted to build it himself. And the Lord said, no, you can't do that. And he says, but I'll let you gather the things. And David went for it. He did it all the way, man. 
He says, and that's why he says, I have set my affection on the house of God. He says, I didn't just get the stuff that I got from other people. I gave the stuff that mattered to me. What are the things that matter to you that you can offer up? You know, is serving God the focus of what you do in, in this world? Is it the one thing for you? Okay. And it's not in the act of serving, but it's in the pursuit of Him. Yeah. And that's why we do it. Because all of the things of the offerings and all this gold and all the thread and all the sewing and all the gifted artisans, all that stuff was to draw near to Him. Okay. That's what it's all the focus of. So that as we do these things, we understand that draws. Whenever you serve, it's amazing how that happens, isn't it? When you go and you serve, even if you are foul, even if you're like, Lord, I got to do it again. And then you go and you serve and then you're blessed. And you're like, I don't know how that happened. Okay. And you know, you know, the other people got blessed that you were serving, but you know, you got blessed and you're like, they don't know how much I got blessed by doing this. They have no idea, but it was, it was, it was cool. That's, that's one of the benefits of it. Yeah. As we pursue him and he teaches us through that. And then we go and we use it for the next time and the time after that. And it builds in our lives, you know. That's the Lord to have us do. He says, and they did all of this, of course, by the hand of Moses. That would commanded them to do this. As Moses told them, you guys got to do this. And it wasn't a compulsion. They, no one had a gun to their head. You got to do this. But notice here in verses 30 to 35, we see the Lord's calling on these artisans. And the idea that that people use their their gifts, their special gifts for the Lord here. And in verse 30, it says that Moses singled out these guys. He says, The Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. He says, God has this, this special calling for this guy. You know, that we're all commanded to offer. He says, But he, he's getting called out to do this. He's getting equipped to do this specific service. And, and the understanding here is that, you know, while there's general obedience and callings and instruction, that there are specific things for individuals, okay? And this person we're going to see is someone who the Lord gave knowledge to and gifted him in how to be able to serve God in this way. And so that we each have specific callings is significant in our lives because God wants us to be able to seek those things out. God wants to be able to ask him, how would you use me? You know, what specifically do you want me to do? And are we praying that prayer if we haven't prayed it already? Do we know what our gifts are? Are we going and fulfilling it on a daily basis in the church and outside of it? You know, because if we don't search for it, if we're not asking the Lord, if we're not looking for direction, then put it into practice, then it's just wasting away. And the Lord's blessed us. Look at what it says that the Lord had filled this guy with the Spirit of God to give him wisdom, understanding, and knowledge of the workmanship and all kinds of different things. He was good with art, you know, he was good with metalwork, with jewel. This was a, a one heck of an artisan. It wasn't just one medium that he worked, he worked in all kinds of media. You know, he was gifted to serve by God, and that God can gift people toward different and specific things. Okay. Now, it's got to be said here that how the Lord had given this guy knowledge is different from our spiritual gifts like we see in the New Testament, okay? But that the Lord gave this guy the things that he needed to know, gave him this talent, this ability, 
is apparent and to understand that God was the source of it is key here. Okay. That it wasn't something that they were just, they just had for himself. Okay. But we understand that as we apply it to our own lives, that as believers, we have spiritual gifts, each and every one of us. Some of us have more than one gift and that these gifts are supposed to be used for the edification of the body of Christ, that they are used for each other. That we bless each other with the gift. That if you have the gift of encouragement, you encourage people. The gift of administration, you do that. People are blessed by the fact that you're able to organize things. And the Lord has given you that. If you know the Lord today, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You have spiritual gifts that you need to use. And the Lord calls you. Some of you guys in here are evangelists. You go out there and, and, you, know, and you share. And people just come to the Lord. It's crazy. I tell you what, man. When you hear somebody's got the gift of evangelism speak... And it's just, sometimes it's just with the uttermost simplicity, huh? And it just, it nails people right in the chest. And you're like, whoa. You're like, why can't I do that? <laughs> you're like, man, that's so cool. They're just being obedient. Do you know your gift and do you use it? You know, when Paul talks about the gifts um, in First Corinthians, he's careful to talk about that these gifts all come from the Lord. In First Corinthians 12.4, he says, hey, there's a whole lot of different gifts. He says, there's a diversity of gifts. He says, but it's all from the same spirit. It's all working toward the same end. Later on in First Corinthians 12.11, he goes on and says, but there's one and the same spirit that works all these things distributed to each one individually as he wills. And of course, we know Paul is emphasizing this because the Corinthians were thinking that some gifts were better than others. And all he's saying, no, it's the same God. It's just different manifestations uh, of that same God working in each and every one of us in order to do for him. So that these artists, this artist, and while he may have you know, been gifted in all these things, what he does in God's economy is just as important as what anybody else would have been doing. Okay? That the Lord valued it all because people are giving what they have and that even what this guy has is not from him. That it is something that is spiritual in origin. It says the Lord has filled him with the Spirit of God. That he'd given them knowledge is right in there. Just bam. No, to do that. That's not bad. I wish I, wish I would have had a knowledge of pre-calculus like that in high school. You know? <laughs> I remember praying things like that. Like, I don't know what this is. Lord, please. Help me. <laughs> and it didn't necessarily work all the time, but, you know. Give it a shot. It says that they knew it so well that the Lord had ministered to him and to another guy, Aholiab, and he had given both of them the ability to be able to teach other people so that God said, hey, what you have is important and I'm gifting to be able to teach others so that they can learn to do it. It's not just you guys doing the job, okay? So I spoke to you, you speak to them and you share with them and then they are able to do it as well. You know, it multiplies itself, which is pretty cool to think about that, okay? That God's gifts are not for us, but they, and they're not in the charge of the individual, but they're given in service to him. And I think by being able to help with others, this definitely would keep these guys you know, grounded. Because as they're helping, they got, it has their focus, not on themselves. And that as we are obedient, and as we are using our gifts, that our, the exercising of that is teaching and blessing others. You know? So it's, move, it's flowing outward, yeah, as the Lord has filled us up. It's a pretty cool picture to think about that with these guys as they're out there showing everybody because there's no way they're going to make all this stuff by themselves. It says that God even filled them 
with the skill it says and lists as engravers, as designers, as tapestry makers. He says in all kinds of different artistic work. He says the Lord bless them and fill them up, you know. And the emphasis there is that he had filled them up with all of these things. That he was the source. You know, we, we can't take the credit that belongs to God, yeah? We understand that it's him. Praise God that he wants to use us. Praise God. Because he can use anybody, yeah? And he chooses to use us. And he gives us those things to be able to serve him. And we're like, thank you, Lord. You know, because I know it blessed others. I know it blessed me. You know, and I know that it's drawing me closer to you. How are we using our talents and gifts to the Lord today? Spiritual and otherwise. Of all the things that we have. So as we look here in Genesis chapter 35, we see that these people are bringing all these things that we understand that the Lord calls us to do these same kinds of things in our lives. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your love and your goodness. Uh, Our prayer, Lord, is that you would help us to offer more of ourselves to you daily. Lord, that we bless you, that we pursue you, and that others will be blessed as well. That they'd come to know you in, in the same way that we have, Lord, because we understand that it is the only thing that matters in our lives. We thank you for the time that we have together here as we spend time in your word. We pray that you would have it abide in us, Lord, that you'd remind us of it as we go throughout our day. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We lift this up to you in Jesus' name. Amen.